Hey, all you nature nerds, this is You're Gonna Die Out There. Welcome back, nature nerds, to another episode of You're Gonna Die Out There. This is Megan. I'm sitting across from my co-host, Jen. Hello. In my just recently powered home. We, we had a little mold scare. Had a little mold. I had, you had to come over. I was like, smell the chairs, Jen. <laughs> Put your face <laughs> in them. Does that look like mold? Does anything look like mold? Yeah, because it was like a daily check with the flashlight. Because Guam. You know? Guam. Very tropical. And this room in particular, I like kept sealed. I was like... No one is going in except for me. And I'm going in with a flashlight every single day. Just, yeah, intense. It was intense, but I think we're okay. We haven't, I mean, nothing, I guess we'll find nothing out. yet. Like, what are the long-term effects? A stroke, <laughs> heart attack, <laughs> breathing issues. Yeah. I mean, we'll see fine. what happens. We'll let you know. Roll so, but for today, we're, we're, we're trying to, we're getting some. Getting some stuff done. We are. We, we realize that we're a little behind schedule. Just a little bit. We got typhooned. It's. It happens. And don't worry, there's going to be a few more typhoons this year, and that's it. According to NOAA Weather Service, at least <laughs> five six to eight, eight. Right? Is that what it five was? Five days? Six days? Six, I don't know. Oh, five days. I feel like I remember just seeing eight and being like, eight? Eight? <laughs> this year. This year. So that's like 1.5 every month. <laughs> <laughs> so many. We're so ready. 1.2 typhoons every month. Yeah. We're okay. So I'm we so got excited. this. Anyway. So, well, you know, Guam is just in a little island, and they said Marianas, so... Yeah, it could it not could, be us. It could hit anywhere. A- anywhere. I feel like we were kind of lucky in that we were on the southern, like more southern end. Central to, like, to southern, yeah. The most destruction. Yeah, it was at the very yeah. north. Yeah. So we'll see Anywho. how, we'll let you know how it goes. Anyway, we'll do our best to get through this next six months. <laughs> but for now, I have a uh, have a story for you guys. I'm excited about your episode. Yeah, let's talk about hot air ballooning, Megan. <laughs> oh. You didn't know I was going there, did you? Oh, she that looks is, actually surprised. That is like a nightmare. Would you situation. go? Would you go on a hot air balloon? No, really, one hundred thousand percent negatory. Not ever in my life. I didn't even have to knock on wood. I will not. Go would on you a hot go air skydiving? Balloon. Absolutely not. Oh, absolutely not. So I would go even after this episode. I would go really? on a hot air balloon. No, I am. Because very, I feel like it's so magical looking. I am very afraid of heights. And like, oh, oh, like oh. when I get on a ladder, just a regular ladder, just to like, if I had to change a light bulb outside and I got to get on the tall ladder, yeah. my knees are so weak with fear. Really? When that happens. And I have to really just be like, it's fine. This yeah, is we've fine. talked about this. Yeah, I'm, it's honestly, I don't know exactly when it started. Yeah. I don't know. I, I like to think that it's because I made a quote unquote tree house out of some uh, planks of wood with my friends on, it, it was at a pine tree. Mm-hmm. It was like a short leaf pine. I see where this is going. Yeah. Don't ever do that. And when you're seven, don't make your own tree house is yeah. what you're saying. It, well, it, pine trees are notoriously like the worst trees to ever make a tree house uh-huh. in because the root, there's only like one real big root and it goes just straight <laughs> down. There's no like, you know, stability in a pine Timber. tree. They're like the banana trees of the East Coast. So okay, yeah, okay. forest. Anyway, so I and I was in the I was pretty high up there and my mom saw me from our house, which was kind of far away. She saw me and she screamed at me 
<laughs> and I, I remember that feeling of fear. And I think it was that moment that really just sealed the deal for me. Like, heights. And you like slow-mo running of your mom to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So nothing bad happened. It was just nothing your mom bad happened. It was just the the fear of like, oh my god, I'm in trouble, and then having to get down really quickly. Oh, you know what right, I mean, right? Right? Yeah, right. yeah. Well, I think I feel like most people have a fear of heights. Sure. Yeah. In general, because it's like we're humans. Right. I think when you're little, yeah, you're like, cool. I can just jump off things, and it's fine. But that was always my dream as a kid, which is falling. Falling and falling and falling. Yeah, I did. I did have like a like a, falling through a trap door and falling. Oh, like a nightmare type situation. Just a, like dream, a dream. Just to fall. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, it was a nightmare. I mean, it wasn't like those kind where you're just falling asleep and you trip or fall, oh, and yeah, that yeah, way yeah. you wake up. No, it was like an actual dream of just falling a but lot. You liked it? No. Oh, okay. No, no. Yeah, I'm like that sounds awful. <laughs> no, but I'm just saying as a kid, yeah, I was, sure, sure, that's sure. a fear. Yeah, right. Yeah, falling, yeah. right. But how about just going up into a ball of flames and then falling. Right? There's so many things that could go wrong. <laughs> There's is, so many things. We're going to talk about it. You could get blown into Oz. That's one thing that could happen to you. Well, you know, completely different dimension. Is have you seen The Count of Monte Cristo? I movie? have not. No. You haven't? I don't know. Oh my god, it's what's his face from the, all the movies that really Antonio get Banderas? No. <laughs> that would have been amazing though. Uh, no, it's the guy that was in so many movies and I can't think of his name right now. Earl Flynn? He was in the Jesus movie, The Thing of Christ, Mel Gibson's movie. Uh, oh, that no, actor. I don't know. You never saw that? What kind so of a, I did, what kind of a former uh, Catholic are you? Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, I did see that movie. Hold on. Everybody's yelling his name. You guys, I'm going to look it up real quick. Oh my gosh. While Megan thinks about. Do. All the things that she hasn't seen. That's our weight music. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Count of Monte. It's so good. I mean, it I mean, was anyway a long time ago. I have to say that I really like a Monte Cristo, though. <laughs> we're talking about sandwiches. like Right. Uh, so it. it was Jim Caviezel. Jim Caviezel. How am I supposed to know who that is? I don't even recognize that name. You don't? No. This guy. Okay. This guy. Show me the picture. Show me the picture. Hold on. The internet is really... It's, you know what? It's fuzzy. <laughs> it's so pixelated. I'm like, okay, that guy. You guys, Megan still doesn't know. Did we mention that already that you don't have internet? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. It's a, that guy's pretty nondescript. So I'm going off like my phone, which is still bad. He's just like a brown. <laughs> His eyes are closed. Wait, how about this one? That one? Yes. Oh, that guy. Yes, thank you. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, here, here he is. is uh, uh, Yeah, I know he's very handsome. He's super handsome, but the movie... Like, even his goatee doesn't look creepy. I mean, you know the story, right? Of the Count of Monte Cristo. Okay, so I might be getting it confused with the man in the iron mask, but isn't the Count of Monte Cristo, like, some guy gets uh, falsely imprisoned for too many years, and then he eventually escapes, maybe? He escapes, but he has, like, a... can talk to this old man in a cell next to him. Right. And they find a way to hang out because they're like in solitary confinement. Right, right, right. right. And this old man gives him this map to this treasure. Right. And the old man dies Mm -hmm. and he escapes. Mm -hmm. And he basically wants to get the treasure so he can go seek revenge on the guy who falsely imprisoned him. Vengeance? Which was like his bestie. Yeah. Growing up. But that guy got jealous because the girl liked him and not him. And And he's like, let me go throw this guy in jail so that I can get the girl. And told the girl he died. Totally normal. Yeah. Yeah. So then he gets out and he goes and he finds the treasure. Mm -hmm. So he's a gazillionaire after that. And he has this friend. It's that 
other guy who's in a bunch of movies. Oh, no. <laughs> Wait, here I can look at the cast. It's uh this guy. Oh this, yeah, this Louis other dude. Guzman. Oh that yeah, guy. that guy. Yeah. No, I love Luis Guzman because he was just in the Wednesday as the dad. Oh yeah, he's like a perfect Gomez. He is yeah. great in everything he's yes, in. Yes. So anyway, so then he's like his sidekick, right? And just like the best, right? And, and like, helps him get the maybe comic relief. I'm assuming. It, a yes, bit. yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So then they become really rich, and he just so cleverly like gets his revenge on this guy. Is it like quiet revenge? Well, up till a point. Okay, and, and then, then he, it like gets, sword fights, and then him it and gets, stuff? then they like duel. Yeah. Okay. So I'm gonna have to watch it. So it's so good, but yeah. there is when he's like super rich, and he's kind of made himself as like this new rich person in this mm-hmm. community, so he gets well known. Nouveau rich. New yeah, he has this, he buys this huge, like, mansion. Palatial. And then he has this huge party, invites all the rich people. Yeah. And then there's a hot air balloon that he, he comes down to the party in a hot air Wait, balloon. Wait, he arrives in he a He arrives balloon. in this gorgeous balloon. And that's where, like, and that's party where arrivals like, came from. And yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. that is amazing. <laughs> if I were, I would, that's just, what an entrance. Right. So... I've always thought going up into a hot air, I think they're, they look so pretty. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're beautiful. There is a hot air balloon festival in Colorado that my brother went to when he was very little. There's mm-hmm. this really great picture of him and then uh, one of our cousins like running towards the hot air balloons or something. And they're really beautiful. They are. No, never in my life. You're just, listen, you're in a balloon in a basket. Like they would have to, they would have to harness me. <laughs> to something and then there would need to be a safety line like i would only go in a hot air balloon that goes up straight up uh-huh. and there's a safety line attached and then somebody like a carnival one that's not down. a real one yeah yeah okay yeah, yeah. i don't want to travel anywhere in one yeah so let's talk about it let's and this will definitely not soothe your fears yeah i feel at like all. this is why did you choose this episode I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> for exactly this reason i'm excited so did you know megan that there is a national balloon museum indianola wow. indianola there's also the anderson abruzzo albuquerque international balloon museum whoa in albuquerque new mexico and we're not just talking like helium balloons we're talking hot air balloons we're talking all the balloons oh any kind of balloon but i have mostly hot mostly hot air balloons but mm-hmm. there's also balloons that have been used with NASA to go to space. Megan? Sorry. I just had this thought. (laughs) There's blimps. Just just recently. Yeah. I started watching that show, The Mick, which I don't, it's like from 2018 or something. Okay. And they think that this kid swallows a balloon of like heroin. (laughs) Anyway, it's a funny episode. That's all. But probably not those probably balloons. Not those balloons. <laughs> no. Yeah. 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 No. Okay. Not drug balloons. Not not Got drug it. balloons Got are it. probably just like little balloons. Yeah. 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 Which yeah. I feel like balloons at this point just need to be banned from the planet. Agreed. Can we do that? All right. So a hot air balloon is mm-hmm. a unique flying craft, which works because hot air rises, period. It makes sense. Science. Science. So there's two main types of hot air balloons. They were both developed in the late 18th century. Oh. In 1783, two brothers invented one, a hot air balloon, and they it was, was in France. Mm-hmm. They were Joseph, Michael, and Jacques uh, Etienne, I think. Great. And I'll say this how it said on the pronounce, Montgolfier. Ooh. <laughs> I don't know how you say it. Montgolfier. It looks like Montgolfier. They were paper manufacturers. Oh. 
apparently this was a high-tech industry at the time. Mm. They experimented with lighter-than-air devices after they had seen a heated air directed into a paper of fabric, like a fabric bag, and it made the bag rise. Yeah. So after a few tests, they decided to publicly demonstrate their invention. So they had built this balloon made of silk lined with paper that was 33 feet or 10 meters in diameter, and they launched it with nobody on on board, right? Mm. And they did this from the marketplace in A-N-N-O-N-A-Y, Anone. Oh, no, I don't know. I'm saying that so wrong. Anyway, it was June 4th, 1783, Hmm. according to Encyclopedia Britannica. Britannica. uh, The balloon rose about between 5,200 and 6,600 feet, and it stayed afloat for 10 minutes. And it traveled more than a mile. They're like... And then it How came you, crashing to the earth. What is the what is the French exclamation? Uh, oh. I could say one if you didn't ask me. <laughs> Sacre bleu. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Mondo. <laughs> I knew you would have it. Okay. And then, when they, then when it fell, they were like, merde. <laughs> that's it. Uh, that's that's anyway. the French I know. <laughs> Thank you for that. You're that welcome. was great. The word of the brothers, their success, like yeah. traveled everywhere, like, you know, <laughs> faster than a hot air balloon, <laughs> faster than a hot air balloon on fire. Yeah. And a demonstration for the king of France was planned. So for this flight, the brothers got a friend to help them, Jean Baptiste Revelion. Oh. Uh, he was a successful wallpaper manufacturer. <laughs> this is paper cool. guys. This is paper guys. I mean, come on. So between the three of them, these paper guys, mm-hmm. they constructed a balloon that was about 30 feet in diameter made of taffeta and coated. I just love this. I'm like, this was me at prom in 19, <laughs> in the 1900s. Yeah. And coated with a varnish of alum for fireproofing. Oh, is that like aluminum, but, but it's not like aluminum? Not. So they say that the balloon was decorated with golden flourishes, zodiac signs, and suns, together symbolizing the French monarch of the time, King Louis the Sixteenth. Oh, so very decadent. Because it was he was a wallpaper guy, and I bet back then wallpaper was not like we see it today. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. They actually like it was hand decorated. It was it. probably like art. Yes, honestly. Yes. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the first passengers. Of course, there was some concerns about how the high altitude would affect humans because sure. nobody's ever done yeah. that. Yeah. The king proposed at first to get some prisoners. <laughs> <laughs> like we, mm-hmm. they're throwaway people, right? Yeah. We don't need them. That's great. But, we're going to behead them next week anyway. But the brothers were like, oh, can we just not? Yeah. Because yeah. maybe they were like, they're gross and we don't want them in our basket. Sure, sure, sure. So they instead suspended a basket so this is where the basket came in okay. below the balloon containing a sheep a duck <sighs> and a rooster <laughs> okay so i was about to be like oh good they didn't use any animals like, i mean but it was all scientifically like very thought out sure, so sure. the sheik's uh physiology was thought to be similar to humans okay okay the high flying duck was unlikely to be harmed so it was like the control okay and the rooster was included as a further control because although it was a bird, they don't fly at high altitudes. I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine <laughs> being the rooster and the sheep, right? Like the duck. Okay, they, the, the duck. I'm like, assuming whatever. like I'm migratory. Cool yeah, like they're like yeah, I've been up this high. He's telling the other two like you guys, this is nothing. This is nothing. The I fly this all very, the time. Like that conversation. That's so great. If only. Yeah. So the balloon and its little passengers 
took off on September 19th, 1783. It lasted eight minutes and was witnessed by the French king and Marie Antoinette and a crowd of 130,000. And it was never seen again. And the Count of Monte Cristo. No. (laughs) So it flew for about two miles. (laughs) Can you imagine the sheep was like... All the way landed in the Americas. (laughs) Uh, Okay. So it flew about two miles before landing safely. Oh. So the next step was to test the balloon with a person as a passenger. So on October 15th, 1783, they launched the balloon with a tether. There you go. I like it. With Jean-Francois Pilater de Rosier. Wow. Thank you. They put him I, up there because they're like, we don't want to have to put his name on any more documents. <laughs> that <laughs> took us a while. There's a lot of things happening yeah. there. He was a chemistry and physics teacher. Oh. So he floated around for about four minutes mm. and came back down alive. Alive. They're like, sacre bleu. <laughs> <laughs> he lives. Okay, so about a month later, in November 1783, that same guy, I'm not going to say his name again, and the Marquis de Arlandes, who was a French military officer. Because he's a Marquis. He's a Marquis. They made the first free ascent in a hot air balloon. And they flew above the center of Paris to the oh. suburbs about five and a half miles in about 25 minutes. So Benjamin Franklin wrote in his journal about witnessing the balloon take off. He said, we observed it lift off in the most majestic manner. When it reached around 250 feet in altitude, the intrepid voyagers lowered their hats to salute the spectators. We could not help feeling a certain mixture of awe and admiration. Wow. So they stood, this is what it's written, on a circular platform attached to the bottom of the balloon. They hand fed the fire through openings on either side of the balloon's skirt so just fire and balloons perfect paper (laughs) paper there's paper up there though basically wallpaper it's fine and fire (laughs) i mean i'm sure super safe it's so safe they were wearing helmets right yeah definitely so legend says when they landed in the farming and vineyard areas uh, near paris the pilots gave bottles of champagne to the farmers and peasants because they were so upset they thought there were demons coming down from the heavens. Oh, because not everybody knew that this was happening? No, like there was no... <laughs> like, FYI. There was no internet. Nobody got the memo. That's actually the first, like, alien. <laughs> right. We were out there. We were just pulling grapes. <laughs> we were pulling some grapes. And dragons came down from the sky. It was crazy. So, to this day, they have a tradition of drinking champagne. It's called the balloonist prayer before a flight. And they have a toast with champagne. Oh. It's like a thing balloonists do. That's classy. Oh, is that what they're called? Is that what like professional hot air balloon people are called? Balloonists? I guess. Like a balloonist. Which Mm. I think is, that's pretty cool. On December 1st, 1783, it was just 10 days after the first ride, they launched the first gas balloon. And this was by physicist Jacques Alexander Charles and Nicholas Louis Robert. This says Robert. This also was in Paris. And it lasted about two and a half hours and covered the distance of 25 miles. Mm -hmm. And the gas used in the balloon was hydrogen. So lighter than air gas that had been developed by other people. Like they say Englishman Harry Cavendish in 1776. There's some trivia for you. By using a combination of sulfuric acid and iron fillings. So gas balloons then became the more preferred mode of travel. Unlike hot air balloons, gas balloons did not depend on fire to get them aloft and stay up and therefore were able to stay up longer and they could easily be controlled, I guess. But you couldn't have a cigarette up there. Probably not. Mm -hmm. 
to smoke in a pipe. <laughs> <laughs> so, so gas balloons actually continue to be like a, this main mode of air travel until they came up with the Wright brothers came up with a plane airplane in 1903. But it was so expensive and time consuming to inflate a gas balloon. So it was like not something, it was only like the Count of Monte Cristo could do it. Right, right. So let's talk about how they're made because we need to know all the things. Okay. Okay. So a balloon or envelope, that's what they call it, is a fabric bag. It's made of strong light nylon with an opening at one end called the mouth. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. The envelope is laid out on the ground before flight and partially inflated with cold air from high powered fans before the air is heated with burners to create the lift, right? So passenger carrying balloons range in the size of those holding 77,000 cubic feet of air or 600,000 cubic feet. The biggest passenger balloon, and this one's in the UK, it's like 120 feet tall once it's inflated. Envelopes are traditionally a familiar inverted teardrop. Mm -hmm. But some of the famous other brands have special... You've seen them like they can be shaped like a castle or they have them shaped like all kinds of things. It's like like a Macy's Day Parade. Like a cat. So what if there was a hot air balloon shaped like a cat? No, would I go in it? No. Would that help? No, no. no. So the baskets that carry the passengers are... They're held together by metal, very strong metal cables. (laughs) (laughs) It's like a steel frame and it has that, that woven wicker. That's like the traditional... The beautiful wicker. Beautiful wicker. It's like light, sufficiently light, I guess, but very strong, uh-huh. durable, uh-huh. and can hold up to 24 people. The engine of the balloon is called a burner. Cool. It's fixed to the metal frame attached above the basket at the mouth of the envelope, I, yes, yes. aka oh, balloon. All these, it's specific You're terms. learning the terms right now. I'm it's essentially, important. I, at the end of this, we're all going to be balloonists. Yes. It's amazing. It's my hope. The burner mixes liquid propane from pressurized gas tanks with oxygen and ignites it. Not scary at all. The pilot pulls a small valve, which fires the burner and aims the flames into the mouth of the balloon to heat the air inside. Like a dragon. Yes. Mm -hmm. Some balloons have two burners. They have one that lets the propane out more slowly, making it quieter. This is called a whisper burner. Mm. And it's used when flying over uh, residential areas or livestock Oh, so you're not like... <laughs> the, the cows are like, what the... <gasps> and the sheep have all heard what yeah. happened to the yeah. one. They, they already know. They're like... So some more history. This is interesting. So actually, the first hot air balloons really came from China. Oh. Yes, that's right. China. So <laughs> they were experimenting with hot air technologies for more than 2,000 years, of course. Of course. Um, and the first documented tests performed were as early as 3rd century BCE. I mean, that totally makes sense because paper lanterns are like... That's uh, exactly it. I guess the most notable hot air balloon inventor in China was Zhuge Liang. Oh, L-I-A-N-G. Yeah, but the first yeah. C-H-U-G-E. Zhuge Yeah. Anyway, he was a military strategist and inventor, and he adapted the hot air balloon to send messages to supporting troops, like during wars and stuff. I like it. Yeah, it's like... Is that why they call it an envelope? I love that you thought of that. And it might be. That's amazing. From now on, that's what it is. Uh, And so this type of hot air balloon was basically an airborne lantern, Similar mm-hmm. to the ones they're still launching at weddings and stuff. So it was like, in essence, a small hot air balloon that could be seen from miles away, making the ancient Chinese hot air balloon 
ancient Chinese secret, hot air balloon, <laughs> a perfect tool for communicating the need for help or whatever. It's like oh, smoke yeah. signals. Yeah. Or like like a pigeon, right? Makes sense. A messenger pigeon, right? Yeah, yeah. So in these early days of ballooning, the big deal was to, and this is like in the 1780s, was mm-hmm. crossing the English Channel. That was like... The thing that everybody wanted to do. That was distance flying right yeah. there. Yeah. Long distance flying. So in 1785, the same guy, the science teacher, and you remember he was in the first balloon flight. Mm-hmm. And he, this time, went with another guy named Romaine. Like, like the like the salad? Like the, <laughs> like lettuce? the lettuce? I mean... Sounds good. Yeah. So they were going to try and cross the channel in a balloon, which was an experimental... So they were trying to use... They were experimenting using hydrogen and hot air compartments. Whatever that means, it was like some sort of hybrid situation. Oh, okay, okay. So like, we're going to do this. But unfortunately, this turned out to be a volatile mixture of highly flammable oh, no. hydrogen with fire, and it caused... The balloon to explode 30 minutes after liftoff. And oh, and they... They died. Oh, oh yeah. wow. I mean, an explosion in the air. Yeah. Not a good thing. Yeah. that. I mean, I don't know. Did they do a little test thing? Like, oh, if we put fire next to hydrogen gas... They like, must have. Like, would someone... It somehow worked to a point. But maybe 30 minutes in... They were like, let's do a test. They do the test for five minutes. They're like, perfect. Let's go. It works, guys. They should have got that sheep and the rooster and the duck. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, the actual first successful crossing of the English Channel happened later that same year by French balloonist mm-hmm. Jean-Pierre Blanchard, mm-hmm. Blanchard, Blanchard, and American John Jeffries. So, <laughs> and they used a gas balloon. All right. So the first manned flight of a balloon in America mm-hmm. happened in on January 9th, 19, I'm sorry, 19, <laughs> 1793. And it was a hydrogen gas balloon. And it was the same Frenchman that crossed that same guy. Uh, so it was kind of like, yeah, I mean, it happened in the U.S., but it was like they're by the same the French guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're just taking it over there. They're like, look at us. Right. Was but that a, was the time when like the French were really like besties. Well, they, were with making, America. they were making statues for they us. They made us a statue. Yeah. They were like, we were helping them. They were helping us. We were like buddies they could see back then and then we stole french fries from them <laughs> and, <laughs> and that was, was over. it so that time the flight went lifted from a prison yard in philadelphia which i'm like what's up with that oh it wasn't in kansas no it was not in kansas mm. and they went up about 5,800 feet and they landed in new jersey oh there you go and george washington was there what? for the liftoff Amazing. At the prison? Was, was nearby. He in prison? <laughs> I don't know. I, he was just around. So he saw it go up yeah. and he was like, very nice, very nice. My teeth hurt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I always think about George Washington. I'm like, poor guy. He's like, I got to cut out of this real quick. Like, as soon as it goes up, I got to get going. I got a dentist appointment. I have another dentist appointment. Yeah. <laughs> then later in the early 1900s, they used the same kind of technology and they started making blimps. And we all know about that, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah it's yeah. always fun. You go to a football game, you see a blimp. But this, at this time, they were using inflated, um, well, they were inflated by hydrogen gas to keep them up. And they were kind of the main air transportation at the time. So they had engines with propellers mm-hmm. and they had these flaps to control the direction and the speed of flight. This, Perfect. the Van Zeppelin was the first large airship that was built. It was 420 feet long and could travel 600 miles in two days, Megan. 
Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. That sounds awful. And one of the first of these built in the U.S. in 1904. So they became the first commercial airliners for real. So the longest flight I've ever been on in my life, like like nonstop flight happened earlier this year. It was 13 hours. It was from Korea to Detroit. Uh And I was like, I'm going to lose my freaking mind. Yeah, it's hard. Two days. Two days. 600 miles. Just floating above the earth. Not even going through all of California (laughs) at all. Like it's like, yeah. So by 1936, they were really common. And there was this famous one. I don't know if you heard of it called the Hindenburg. What? That sounds <laughs> uh, slightly familiar. Built in Germany in 1936. Mm-hmm. It was 803 feet long, 135 feet wide, and it contained 7 million cubic feet of gas. That sounds like a good idea. It was super fancy. Mm-hmm. It was basically the Titanic of the air. Perfect. On May 6, 1937, it caught fire and burned in less than one minute. While attempting to dock in Lake uh, in Lakehurst, New Jersey, there were 97 people on board and 35 were killed. Ugh. Yeah. And then actually they had a really perfect like safety record until then. Right. And then everybody was like, good God. <laughs> they just <laughs> one minute. Just, I knew, and we've seen the footage and the yeah. pictures. I mean, it was. You know, what's crazy is I did not remember from when we learned about the Hindenburg that it was in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Like in my brain, the Hindenburg happened in Germany because it's called the Hindenburg. <laughs> no, it was built <laughs> yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I always wonder about the timing of that too. I guess that's when we were all still cool, kind of, sort of. Because it was like 1930s, things started getting real weird with Germany. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, well, maybe it was because of this. Maybe. maybe. Maybe there was an argument about who caused the accident. Fi- and they were like, fault? was it you or me? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, like I said, uh, after that, there were some more problems, disasters, mm-hmm. if you will, with hydrogen-filled airships. So basically people were like, yeah, I'm good. Yeah. I can I can go on my my new Ford car. It's and faster. Faster and to get 600 miles. Right. Yeah, I'm good. I'm yeah, fine. I, I think if we were still somehow driving around hydrogen-filled Zeppelins, there, I would never, <laughs> never, never travel in the we air. We would still be living in our hometowns. Yeah, just I there. would. I would just be. I would like live in Atlanta. That's like as far as I would go. Right, mm-hmm. right. So in 1960, this guy named Paul Yost and a couple of other of his friends, mm-hmm. they formed this company called Raven Industries in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Okay, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Sorry, and developed a modern hot air balloon. And the propane gas burner, which made sustained flight possible. So on October 22nd, 1960, he piloted the maiden flight of the new balloon on a flight lasting 25 minutes and traveling three miles. The balloon was 40 feet in diameter. And anyway, that was kind of the beginning of where hot air ballooning became a sport. Oh, sort of. And like more safe, I I guess more safe, more popular for tourists and like a thing. Propane uh, cleans, burns cleaner. Yeah. We, know, we know that from uh, our recent experience with generators. Uh, yeah. yeah. I ran the, ge- we ran our generator. I didn't do it. I was on in the, the house. I'm like, just give me a fan. That's great. I need. Well, we came to your house to. We need to charge our things. Sit in your fans. So by 1963, sport ballooning had grown enough so that the first U.S. national 
Hot Air Balloon Championship was invented in Kalamazoo, Michigan, under the Balloon Federation of America. That's like the slowest sport ever, <laughs> right? Like even it's boating so, is it's faster. So sweet. It's, it's just so cute. You're just like neck and neck, you know, but it's like, <laughs> you know, I don't know what they're, do? I don't know what they're competing. Like, what's the competition part of I it? I bet, I bet if you like, you know, get like a little higher, maybe you catch a better wind or something and you like go lower and higher, like basically, you know what I mean? Like, how do you do that? How do you do Anyway. Anyway. Continue. But you could go and read about this mm-hmm. with NASA that they've done lots of stuff with balloons. So they're used in scientific investigations in the upper atmosphere. Like weather balloons, Jen? Yes. Like weather um, balloons? Does China also use weather balloons? <laughs> Dude, I, I haven't heard of anything about that. Some specially designed high altitude balloons have also carried people into the stratosphere. Some individuals have performed pre- parachute jumps in, in extremely thin air. Kind of nuts. Why? Balloons have been considered for space missions to Saturn, Venus, and Mars. Hmm. Yeah. What? Wait a minute. Yeah. Send a balloon. I bet China already did. <laughs> Sorry. Not a hot air balloon, but right. like, you know, right. different kind. That's the problem is that I was just imagining a hot air balloon. I was like, <laughs> that's so stupid. <laughs> Why would anyone do like, that? It's like... Up, up, and away. <laughs> just like cruising. And then all of a sudden, they just like just explode. They, I mean, wouldn't a balloon just implode in space? Oh, yeah. It would just. Are we going to talk about imploding? <laughs> Guys, we haven't talked about talking about that yet. So, anyway, so here's some fun facts. Early balloons were actually considered dangerous for spectators on the ground. And, you know, mostly because it wasn't. Because of like falling debris or malfunction or anything like that, but it's because they're getting problems with their necks, oh. and because they were spending so much time looking up, just just at like every at like every balloon festival or race or whatever. <laughs> there's like a chiropractor. That I kind of love it. So back then, even the horses were having problems. So and this all came to a head um, during the career of the Allen family, who perform like these like acrobatics like high wire yeah like suspended from the bottom of a like a balloon why yeah i know and so after that like they were okay but there was like all these problems i was gonna say they all died because they didn't that's why it stopped they just had like they needed those massage chairs that they set up in the mall where you just like lay there or like by the way i've never felt comfortable with that why would i want to lay down sit in the middle oh in the middle of the mall that when when someone actually is massaging you in like front a of person everybody. in front of everybody. That's so not relaxing. I mean, even just the chairs in the mall that are like plugged into the ground that you could sit in. Like, yeah. I don't want to sit in that. Who wipes those down? Nobody wipes Nobody those down. Nobody wipes them down. Now, I understand if somebody has like a massage chair in the mm-hmm. mall. Yeah. Like they probably wipe it down because they're there. Sure. Like, yes. That's oh, their the, job. If they're an actual. But why would you? How can you get misuse. relaxed when there's like hundreds of people walking past you you know what the thing is i bet that there are people who can be relaxed. they do i've seen them they've got to be they just taking naps in the middle of the mall those are the kind of people who have like what i like to call confidence jen they're just <sighs> confident people i don't know if you've heard about it before but it just there's something yeah anyway okay let's talk about another one another fun fact is that the air within a hot air balloon can be hot enough to boil water so you can have your tea too. not scary mm-hmm. as well they say it can get um, exceed 100 degrees. It's this limitation that prevents hot air balloons from gaining popularity until very recently. Yeah. The materials could just not handle the temperatures like, you know, the, the yeah. envelope. Yeah. Yeah. 
for long periods of time and durability was a big problem. But in the modern balloon, the envelope, which is, you know, the balloon, it's made of sheets of material that can withstand temperatures of more than twice as hot than mm. it should ever get. And that's helped with the popularity, I guess. But is it like hot while you're up there? They say it can get toasty. They say you should wear a hat so your head doesn't get hot. No. <laughs> your hair is on fire. There's just like so many things that I just can't. No. Like I hate it's, when it's you just go. no on so many levels. Yeah. When you go to the, okay, that makes me think of when you go to like a party, okay? Mm-hmm. And one of the places where you could sit is underneath like a tent right? Like uh-huh. an outdoor tent. Uh-huh. But it's like a really hot, sunny day and yes. you sit under, you can feel. Yeah. Even under like a, like a canopy. Yeah. Or, like, yeah. It's not cool. No. It's hot. But both literally and like figuratively. Yes. Not cool. Not cool. So here's another one. The mm-hmm. world record for highest hot air balloon trip is 70,000 feet. Yep. What? Was so, they're wearing an oxygen mask, Guess who right? did it? It was it. Wait, wait, wait. Is it the guy who owns uh, uh, Virgin Airlines? No. Why can't I think of it? But it was a Google executive, oh, Alan Eustace. Come I don't know on. Who that is. But so, but he was using this uh, helium balloons, like I guess in the movie Up. It was like that. Just kidding. <laughs> he was using helium balloons rather than the traditional hot air balloon. Mm. So I guess there's a different. He was using a different kind of. But balloon. he was. He but still, it's had, considered a balloon ballooning. Right, right, right. But he, but he had oxygen, right? Yes. The record for a hot air balloon is a lot lower because, yeah. And so it's like 70, that was 70,000 feet. Oh, okay. I see. So that the helium balloon actually went to 135,000 feet, oh, okay. the, which is insane. But that was why? different. Why would you want to do that? Yeah. And so the one that was 70,000 feet was this guy named, I cannot say this, Vijapat. Tell me how you're going to say this. V-I-G-A-Y-P-A-T. The J-Pet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Singhania. Anyway, and that's the highest for a hot air balloon. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, Listen. So, wait. Let me just... what The the helium one, the Google exec, uh-huh. was it in a lawn chair? <laughs> was he just in a lawn chair? Wasn't there a guy who did that? Who tied a bunch of balloons to a lawn chair? Yes, and like, I have a... V- vague memory of that yeah and did it yeah he did the damn thing also something i would not do yeah no i wouldn't do that either okay so safety safety let's talk about safety according to the aviation accident database which is put out by the faa hot air ballooning is the safest form of all air travel and rarely involved in aviation crashes megan because nobody does it (laughs) i mean they do a lot of people do you'd be surprised (laughs) sure 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 so in fact, they say when hot air balloons are compared to other forms of transportation, hot air ballooning is even safer. The main reason is that hot air balloons fly in good weather and slow wind, and that helps prevent accidents. Mm. And they only fly for like 25 minutes. Yeah. So since 1964, there have been 1,198 hot air balloon incidents in the U.S., but that rate of hot air ballooning accidents is like pretty low. Right. It's just 3.3%. In the U.S. And they're not including those hydrogen ones, right? Uh, no, no. And that's <laughs> just for the U.S. between 1964 and 2014. Oh, okay. It's a little more wor- worldwide. Mm-hmm. So this study, a study analyzing years from 2000 to 2011 found that there were 78 hot air balloon crashes in the U.S. Between 2000 and 2016, hot air balloon crashes resulted in 91 fatalities. Oh. Mm. I think that's worldwide, though. In the U.S., hot air balloon accidents are 
primarily caused by pilot error, which is 45%. Oh, you mean the pilot of the hot air balloon? Yes. I totally was like thinking a plane. Like they try. It's a game. <laughs> they just collect them. They just, you know, just like <laughs> like on the side of the wing. They just grab a hot air balloon. Yeah. Uh, weather is 33% and equipment malfunction is 22%. And then 65% of all hot air crashes in the U.S. involve a hard landing. Ooh. So apparently if you could, so apparently it's normal to land kind of sideways. So there's two different kinds of landing. Like you can land like regular straight up, but if the wind and they'll t- talk to you about it before you go, if you're coming down and the wind like kind of blows you, you might go on your side. And I guess that's somewhat normal. I think about all of the like, you know, the bachelor shows where they're like, oh, we're going to go on this date today. We're going to go on a hot air balloon. We're going to have this picnic. <laughs> like, it sounds miserable to me. Like, you're going to get crash in- land. Or like, <laughs> <laughs> But it's like, you, you, oh, you got to wear this hat because it's going to be like really hot while we're up there. Uh-huh. And then you're like drinking champagne. I don't know. It's, it, what if you drop something? It's, it's over. Yeah. And then and then the crash landing. I mean, yeah. but it's not really a crash because that's just how you have to land. No, yeah. No, no. Sometimes. Sometimes. So there's this list of crashes that uh-huh. it, all of them in the list involves fatalities worldwide. Jeez. It's a Wikipedia list because you know they have some lists. Yeah, yeah. There are 52 reports total and it totals 196 deaths and 100 injuries. I think there's more injuries, but these, because it's like fatalities and injuries for one crash. Uh. So I think if you had a full list of all the crashes, yeah. there would be a lot more injuries, but no fatalities for right. all the other ones, right? So these are 52 reports that resulted in death. Death. With that being said, I have the five worst. Top five. Top five. Or worst five. I hate to say, like worst five deadliest crashes of all time throughout the world. Let's hear them, Jen. And this, I think they just go by number of fatalities. 2012. This was in the, let's see, I think you say it. Ljubljana, Ljubljana marshes. This was August 23rd, 2012. There was an incident where six people died in central Slovenia's Ljubljana marshes. It was carrying 32 passengers, but there was a thunderstorm. So the sudden weather change compelled, it says the pilot to attempt an emergency landing Mm -hmm. that was set in a really bad angle by a wind shear and the balloon hit trees and caught fire. Four people were charred beyond recognition. Jesus. And included a 56-year-old lady, a couple, and their 11-year-old daughter. Ten people had to be resuscitated. And after that, hot air balloon rides were temporarily stalled in the region. (laughs) But yeah. (laughs) And stricter rules and regulations were enforced by the government. Pilot was charged with carelessness, but the pilot was like, denied it. Was like, hey, there was, I did everything I could do. It was a weather situation. yeah. Yeah. So the next one. This was also, well, this one was also in 2012, and it's the Carterton hot air balloon crash. It's a really scenic area to go on a hot air ride, and this is in um, New Zealand. Mm. So on January 7, 2012, and there were 11 people on board, including, so there were 10 passengers in the pilot, Mm -hmm. and they struck a high voltage power line. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. So an inquiry into the disaster revealed that the pilot had made a misjudgment by deciding to maneuver the balloon over the high voltage line instead of 
utilizing this rapid descent system to land the balloon like quickly on the ground. Yeah. So I guess he was like, I think I can get over this and it'll be better than trying to like slam to the ground. Right. So they did an analysis of the blood report of the pilot after the accident. He's drunk. He was, they just found weed in his system. (laughs) So I don't know. They said he was under the influence of cannabis, but I'm like, "Mm, I don't know. Just high. He was just high. Eyewitnesses saw the balloon climb and drift east towards that 33 foot high volt, like 33,000 volt power line, which runs perpendicular to the road. It's one of the two lines that connects this major substation. And the pilot was heard shouting, duck down, as the balloon came in contact with the power line. And then one of the conductor wires was caught over the top of the pilot's end of the basket. And the pilot attempted to get the balloon to climb, but the tension of the wire prevented it from rising. And instead, the balloon slid along the conductor. Around 20 seconds later, electrical arcing um, occurred as the balloon caused this phase-to-phase short circuit, Mm -hmm. tripping the line and causing the 33,800 properties, I guess, supplied. It's like... Oh, it's like a blackout. A blackout to all these properties within that area to lose power. Jeez. The arcing caused one of the four liquefied petroleum gas bottles supplying the burners to rupture. No. And a fire subsequently started. Yes. Two of the passengers jumped from the balloon to avoid the fire. They fell 66 feet and did not survive. Right. And as the fire intensified, this is the crazy part. When the fire intensified, it caused the air inside the balloon to heat and forced it to rise. No. So eventually the conductor wire on the power line snapped, shooting the balloon upwards. And the fire soon engulfed the whole balloon in the air. And the envelope, the balloon disintegrated, causing the balloon to then fall to the ground with the, it landed. Basket, yeah. Yeah, the basket landed. Emergency services were on the scene within seven minutes, but shortly after they arrived, they found the 11 people had died at the scene. Yeah. Yeah, in the two that jumped as well. Jeez. So that's the scary thing about these fires is it heats it up more and makes it like go fast. (laughs) 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 Which is... Just terrifying. Frightening. Terrifying. Well, yeah. And w- I mean, in that situation, w- would you just try to jump out? Would you be like, I'm just going to jump? I'm. That's what's going to happen. I mean, a lot of that's what a lot of people do. If right. they can. They're just if like, they're not okay. just engulfed in flames so quickly that they cannot Jesus. make head or tails of anything. I can't even imagine. I know. So, okay. So this is number three. That was number four. <sighs> number three is in 1989 in Alice Springs in Australia. This is the third deadliest ever. There were 13 people who died. This was August 13th. Like I said, 1989, two hot air balloons collided. Oh, no. And um, Alice Springs in Australia's Northern Territory. It was 6.38 a.m. And one of the balloons ascending from the ground collided with one above it. And the lower balloon's envelope engulfed the basket of of the upper one. and developed a tear so as from the impact Mm -hmm. and it started deflating rapidly and plunged to the ground at top speed killing 12 passengers and the pilot the passengers of the other hot air balloon in um other hot air balloons in the vicinity were treated for shock (laughs) yeah because they were just like 
Well, and first and last, when, I'm never doing this. When the other one, when the bottom one tore, did it like send all that like super duper hot air up into the basket? Like were people in the other no, basket No, okay? I think they were okay. Oh. So the collision and crash were blamed on the operators of the two balloons because they said they were careless and they misjudged, you know, yeah. uh, what they were doing. The pilot of the upper balloon was actually found guilty uh, of manslaughter and went to prison. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. But he was already up in the air. I don't know. I, I, I don't know the particulars. But like maybe he was coming and the, he was not supposed to. He could see like a balloon is taking off and he shouldn't have been going there or something. Maybe. Maybe he crossed over into the path of that one. Weird. I'm not I'm not sure. So they say that the descent reportedly lasted 51 seconds. That's uh. a long time. Witness statements said the balloon folded and fell to earth. And that it fell to the ground like a streamer. Um, I could then a, a tourist said I could see one of the balloons rising quite fast under the other another balloon. The lower balloon came up and hit the other one. Its top was touching the basket and it was shaking the passengers around. A rip appeared at the top of the balloon and it started to move away. It wasn't a very rapid moment. It moved away slowly, but you could see it was in trouble. The pilot tried frantically to blast hot air into the stricken chute as the balloon lost height, but there didn't appear to be any panic initially. They're like, well, it's okay. We got this. <laughs> I think we're okay. I think we're okay. Oh my God. But the tear in the the one that got hit, the balloons, they say red and black envelope was described as being the size of a bed sheet. And the balloon crashed between two small trees in open scrubland oh, wow. near the Alice Springs airport. Another news report said that 10 bodies, arms interlinked, were found in the balloon's gondola. Three others were nearby in the sand. They were ejected. Four balloons were in the air at the time of the accident. The pilot of one of the other balloons made a radio call to alert emergency services. Passengers of other balloons, like I said, were treated for shock. Yeah. They're like... Get us off of this right now. <laughs> yeah. That's so sad that they were all arm like linked arms. They knew. Like they were gonna a minute. preparing themselves. They're like, for... we're falling. Let's hold on to each other. Like, what do you do in an airplane? Like right. secure yourself as best you can. Right. Yeah. yeah. And they were falling together and they linked arms, but they that's bad. That's so sad. Number two, 2016 at Lockhart. This is in Lockhart, Texas. Mm. So this is known as the deadliest balloon crash in US history. I don't remember hearing about this, honestly, did you? On July 30th, so it's almost been, we're coming up on a seven-year anniversary, which Mm. is not very long ago. 16 people died in a balloon that was operated by the Heart of Texas Balloon Ride Company. And they give the model, but it doesn't matter because we don't know anything about that. On the day of the accident, the balloon carrying 15 passengers and the pilot left the Fentress Air Park at local time 7 Oh, nine in the morning mm. and struck power lines at 742. Nice. The balloon immediately crashed into a field near Lockhart, Texas, caught fire and all passengers were killed from the accident. By the time the first responders reached the blaze on Jolly Road, all signs of a serene hot air balloon voyage over the Texas countryside had perished in the inferno. That's insane. This was Ro- Ronnie, I don't know how, Deusterheft. He was a firefighter with the Maxwell County or Community Volunteer Fire Department. He was about 15 minutes away when the 911 call came in. Mm-hmm. And he said, we didn't know what we were looking at. The basket had burned down to its frame and we didn't see any balloon. 
The fire crew could hear propane tanks hissing beneath the flames. So they put foam on them and wondered if it was like a tractor had caught fire or maybe a hay hay baler. Oh, wow. They had no idea. So he said when he got closer to the wreckage, he saw bodies. Most of them had landed inside, landed them. They were still inside the steel basket frame and were badly burned, Mm. like really bad. There were no survivors. And he said, I fought fires and seen horrible things since 1964, but there's no comparison to what I saw out there. He says, it makes you want to cry today just thinking about it. Jesus. Yeah. So there's a lot of stories written about that one. Anyway, 2013, this is the worst of all of them, all of them worldwide. 2013, most horrific hot air balloon disaster ever occurred February 26, 2013 near Luxor, Egypt. Hot air balloon rides are very popular in that area with tourists visiting Egypt Mm -hmm. because you get an aerial view of their landscape and it's so beautiful and all this. So there was a balloon. It's ultra magic in 425. That's great. For balloonists who know those things. Departed on a sightseeing flight and a fire started in the balloon a few meters from the ground. So only a few meters from the ground, right? Apparently there was a fuel leakage. But they tried to like land it because it was going up. It caught fire, but it didn't and it went higher. (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah. So while this happened, seven passengers jumped to try to escape the fire. But the remaining died when it exploded midair and crashed to the ground. Jeez. Did the seven who jumped, did they survive? Two did. So there were 19 passengers that died. 19 people died. In that accident, 18 deaths on site and one in the hospital later, there was one British passenger who survived and the pilot because they both jumped out right when the fire started. And the sad thing is, is that... Oh, wait, 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 wait. The pilot? The pilot survived. So what I read this article and they say that when the fuel, when it leaked and then the fire started, he, it was like on his back and he turned and it burned up his like his face and he just jumped out and they weren't very high off the ground at that point and then this other guy this british tourist who was there with his wife he jumped out i think it was just like get away from the fire you know like jump yeah thinking that everybody's gonna jump out but they didn't because what happened and this is in a i'll just read this this is from a 2015 accident report it says in a dramatic account of the events that follow, the report says the balloon captain was badly injured by the fire as a result and not able to control the balloon or even control himself. The captain jumped to the ground under because he was in shock, passing through the right aft part of the basket where the British passenger was sitting, the, the only survivor. After that, the British passenger jumped from the balloon basket. The ground crew held the drop line rope but couldn't continue to. Some of them, in addition to other persons in the vicinity, rushed to the captain and attempt to rescue him and put the fire out because he was like on fire. Right. As crew members rushed to aid the captain, the others could no longer hold the balloon and let go of the ropes. <gasps> oh, no. Yes. So if so, they say more passengers may have survived if the balloon had not climbed so violently and, and quickly because of the flames, the heat. The report continues, the balloon continued to climb without control. The passengers continued jumping on the sugarcane fields. The fire continued growing until the balloon envelope became like a thin piece of cloth, not capable of lifting the parts attached to it. The basket fell down with its contents into a wheat field, causing 
pit. There's a picture. Yeah. The anyway, contents being people. People in a basket. Yeah. On fire. So basically what happened is when those two people, the pilot and the other guy jumped out, then everybody holding the ropes went to help him. And then because the flames were, there was a fire and it was so, it was pulling it up so Fast. strong. Yeah. Yeah. That the remaining people couldn't hold it. And then it just went way up and then just burst into flames. And that's what happened. So there's the worst of all time. The worst, worst, worst of the worst. There's a bunch of others, but they're smaller with fewer people. So again, pilot error, and this is worldwide. I know I gave you a U.S. Mm-hmm. statistic earlier, but worldwide, they say it accounts for 81% of hot air in, uh, incidents. Oh, wow. um, some other notable crashes that I read about was on September 20th, 1970, English pilot Malcolm Brighton and his crew were going to attempt to be the first people to cross the Atlantic Ocean on, in a hot, hot air balloon. Um, and it was named Free Life. <laughs> um, <laughs> the date was delayed a few times because of bad weather conditions. Mm-hmm. But the weather in the Hamptons was perfect on this Sunday afternoon, of course. The balloon ascended without any complications. The entire U.S. was watching and excited. Mm-hmm. Um, however... <laughs> 30 hours after takeoff, a storm caused the balloon to crash somewhere off the coast of Newfoundland. Yes. I've decided that's the new Bermuda Triangle. It's the Newfoundland Triangle. Yeah, yeah. Brighton had radioed an SOS shortly before attempting to land on the violent sea. They went and tried to locate any remnants. Nothing was ever found, ever. So, again, pilot error. And it says here that actually you need to be... um, you got to be a real pilot in order to take a hot yeah, air balloon. It makes so sense. Yeah. To be a commercial hot air balloon pilot, an individual has to have a commercial pilot's license with a hot air balloon rating from the from the FAA. Hmm. In addition, they must have a current second class, and this is for the U.S., but I'm hmm. sure it's pretty Similar, much the same yeah. everywhere. Yeah, you um, also have to have a current second class uh, medical certificate from an FAA-approved medical examiner. It's also important for them to have a thorough knowledge of the rules and regulations of hot air balloon flights. So anyway, they need to have experience. They have to, the FAA closely monitors all of this. Um, But they do say the biggest threat to hot air balloons and all aircraft, essentially, um, are power lines. Well, yeah. So collision with power lines is very rare, they Mm -hmm. say. But it can happen, as we have read. But they say that most of the time, the pilots know their area and they know where they are and they're trained how to like avoid that. So again, pilot error, probably, if you're going to run into it. Yeah. And guess what? Bird strike, not an issue. (laughs) Because they just bounce off. They just... They just fly with you. And it actually doesn't even hurt them. They're like, bling. They, they just, just bounce off. They just land on the side of your of your basket and just chill out for a I hot minute. I feel like for, yeah, I feel like for, you know, birds and nature, wildlife, these are like probably the best thing. I'm already thinking of another reason why I would never go in a hot balloon. And it is because Canadian geese, Jen. <laughs> Just, they just chase you down. Just another way for them to They're get basically to me. like the orcas ramming the boats. Yes. The Canadian geese trying to yeah, yeah. like ram hot air balloons yes. and knock them out of the sky yes. just for fun. Just for fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But to be fair, Megan, there are a lot of things more dangerous than going in a hot air balloon. Are there? Like driving. Don't well, you always hate when people say that? <laughs> Whenever people say that, I'm like, yeah, but like. Well, but. 
I um, can control the car. Yeah. You feel like you have some control. Yes. But it is relatively safe. Hot air balloons are one of the safest ways to travel in the air. In fact, the hot air balloons are safer than airplanes and helicopters. Next time I have to travel for work, I'm going to be like, uh, where's the hot air balloon option? <laughs> I heard that those are safer. I want to go with my safest option. Which is, and I'm sure <laughs> like that a hot air from balloon. From Guam. From Guam. To <laughs> just, I'm lost in the Pacific forever. <laughs> Uh, I guess it depends on where you're going. I mean, I mean, if you're just going from like Oklahoma City to Dallas, I mean, why not? Sure. That'd be great. Great. (laughs) I mean, not much to see. I would want to go somewhere where I at least have like some nice visuals. Sure. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know where. (laughs) Any place other than Dallas or Oklahoma City to Dallas. Right. But the weather is is another major reason why it's hot air balloons are flights are so safe Megan. Mm-hmm. because when you fly on an airplane or a helicopter you could be in some bad weather conditions that may you cannot avoid right right right, right. so another factor that planes and helicopters deal with is wind mm-hmm. um, hot air balloon pilots on the other hand megan they will not take off in bad weather and they usually only go out after sunrise or a little before sunset and because that's when the wind is at its lowest point So it's very rare to find a pilot who will fly in the middle of the day, Megan. So if hot air balloons flew distances and in weather that every other transportation option does like move in then you would people would be dying left and right all the time. Right. It would they would be they're only safe because you can never fly in them. Unless things are perfect. Perfect. Yes. Perfect weather. Perfect conditions. Yeah. So the only time you may see this is if the weather is supposed to be perfectly clear that day, like that. Um, and the pilots pay very close attention. And if you're if there's any issue, then your flight will get your hot air balloon flight will be canceled. Canceled. It's just imagine if we all depended on it. It'd just be canceled constantly. Like, I'm <laughs> sorry, sorry, I can't I come into work today. <laughs> the hot air balloon is canceled. <laughs> and they're like, oh, OK, OK, OK. But it's for safety. Yeah. Safety first. Mm hmm. Anyway, I don't know if I've made it worse or convinced anybody, but here's an organization to support. I love it. The Balloon Federation of America, which I spoke of earlier. By the way, they have a 90% approval rating on Charity Navigator, Megan. The BFA. Yes. It's the BFA.net. The Buffa. They're a nonprofit. They're dedicated to the advancement of sport and science of lighter than air aviation, both hot air and gas balloons. They were founded in 1961. I'm that was where they had the first sport one. Oh, yeah, yeah. They, yeah, I think they hosted it or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and the membership is open to anyone who shares a fascination with lighter than air flight. That sounds amazing. I think when I looked at their website, it's kind of like the one-stop shop for all balloon events and activities yeah. in the U.S. for those who are interested. And I'm sorry I picked the one that's in the U.S. U.S. organization. But mm-hmm. uh, I can't. Mm-hmm. there's also a charity I found that was kind of cool. It's called the Dream Catch, the Dream Catcher Balloon nonprofit mm. and it's in it's based out of Carlsberg, Washington, dreamcatcherballoon.org and they take disabled people up. So if you're in a wheelchair, you have any disability, you can still go, Megan. Oh Don't do it. <laughs> Come Don't on. Do it. I would I mean, I would be into it. I mean, I I I will go on a hot air. I if I have the opportunity, I would go. I feel like there's a list of things that I would do if I had a terminal disease. And that's not one of them. And I would do, maybe I would do it. I, that would be like, I'll skydive from a hot air balloon if I have a terminal <laughs> disease. And like, I mean, because, you know, 
This is a chance. I feel like it's a, it would be an interesting experience and fun if you're in the right place for it. People do it all the time and they're okay. As long as the weather is perfect. Right, right. So that's my, um, that's my story for hot air ballooning. I mean, man, take it or leave it. Do whatever you're comfortable with people, but I still think it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, And go watch the Count of Monte Cristo already. You know what? That's what I'm going to do tonight. So I'm going to watch The Count of Monte Cristo. It's going to be amazing. You're going to use your son's hotspot. It's going to be so It's going to look just like that picture you showed. It's just like (laughs) super pixelated. (laughs) That's the thing is that we've been watching a lot of things on, you know, but they're so pixelated. And I'm like, I can't decide if I hate it or I'm okay with it. I need to give you my DVD player and all my old DVDs. Oh, yeah. Which are really like Peace Corps days. We have a ton of DVDs as well that I'm like, okay, so let me just tell you a little side note here is that I went to the store and I was like, do you guys sell DVD players? And the guy was like, ah, you know, like, and he's like, wait, actually we do. (laughs) And then we went over to look at, guess how much the DVD player is? Just guess. Just guess. How much do you think it costs? $59.99. I thought... If it's under, if it's like 50 bucks or under, I'll get it. Yeah. $249 for a DVD me. player. I was like, are you freaking kidding me is right now? Is there some sort of advanced technology that's happening what, with DVD players? Yeah, what like, is happening? Why is it 240 Not Is it because they only made two for the year? <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> like they, no They're one's like, this costs us so much because no one makes yeah, these anymore. Yeah, and I'm like, can, can you guys just, can people just like put, I, people still have DVDs, okay? They still yeah. have DVDs. Well, some, Can, some people. I mean, yeah, I have two boxes of them. Yeah. Because yeah. I just wanted to keep them. But yeah, yeah, 249. Insane. Anyway. It's hard to throw away DVDs. It is. Even CDs. I mean, because I'll, you I'll think, admit it right now. I still have my ginormous case oh, of CDs. In this in this <laughs> table that's right next to us right now, there's two drawers full I don't. Of how CDs. do you just throw them away? You can't. Because it's you a, look at it and you say, in 1900 and whatever year, I bought this. album. <laughs> I'm still going to listen to this. I'm still going to do it. I bought this for, you know, $25. My first DVD. Yeah. Smashing Pumpkins. I can't. My first DVD that I ever bought was The Breeders. Nice. So good. (laughs) Last last Flash. Yeah. No, I feel like, yeah, you can't, you can't get rid of that. You can't get rid of those things. Anyway. So I know that this is the point in our episode where I come up with. Yes. Emergency uh, emergency preparedness preparedness kit. And. You know, there's so many things that I've thought about. One thing that did cross my mind, but I don't think this is like an emergency preparedness kit item. It's just, I mean, at this point, I think it might just be common sense. And I'm I'm coming at this from a typhoon and also balloon related uh, thought process. Is I think that just weather. All of the power lines should be underground already. Why are we still putting power lines above ground? What is, what is it? What is it that we have to, why do they have to be like that? Because. Because. There's a lot there of are some places. The there are some places here on Guam. Uh-huh that have power lines underground. They had their power back like a day and a half after, right? Yeah. I'm just saying. And and like your internet, you the company that you use for internet service here, their their internet service lines all underground. Did you lose internet? I mean only for like a like a hot second, right? Yeah, no, I didn't lose internet. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It was glorious. Anyway, and it would be safer for people who are, you know, hot air balloon enthusiasts. Then they won't have to worry about it. They don't have to worry about it. But that's, I, I don't think that's going to be my emergency preparedness. That really can't be. That's a, yeah, that's just like a, let's, so can we start? Plus, it would be nicer when you go look outside that you don't see a power line. Yeah. You know, take a I picture. I wonder that sometimes. I'm like, when are we going to advance technology? Why aren't we there yet? I think because there's too many things in the ground issue. It disturbs 
too much maybe wildlife like maybe but, you know but if you're culturally putting, maybe but if you're putting lines in places where people live it's already been disturbed true you know that I mean? yeah like, but yeah. i mean so but could you do it in those areas where they run across in the middle of nowhere and this is what i say to that is get solar <laughs> there solar. are huge yeah. fields of solar panels let's just do solar it's crazy um anyway so what would you truly put in your emergency, in my emergency yeah. besides like you know like a note in a bottle that i can drop that just says like sos in it? <laughs> it's like help help me i've made a huge mistake i think this would be some kind of like all Maybe in a parachute well that's what i was gonna say like an all-in-one parachute inflatable I don't know, pogo stick, something that like keeps you from slamming like into the a ground. Burn, a burn bag. A burn bag. That you can just, go in like the firefighters have. I think that you would just need like, yeah, and uh, like all purpose possible fire ways. <laughs> <laughs> but like lighter than air fire extinguisher. Yeah. Weird. No, yeah, I don't, I, I think you, yeah, you just need like all the things uh, you need. You, I need an actual emergency preparedness kit to go up in a hot air balloon, which is why I say don't do it. Common so, sense. I think common sense is in our emergency preparedness kit today. You can't say that all the people that go in hot air balloons don't have common sense, Megan. I mean, Megan, stop. So, well, okay. I know it's rude. So you're, it's rude. you you would just have a very specific hot air balloon mm -hmm, mm -hmm. emergency preparedness kit filled with all the things to avoid bursting into flames. Sure. I mean, that's a really long title, but a not burst into flames emergency preparedness. Kit. A not burst into flames. Yeah. Or either that, or like. A tether safety line, like some kind of zip line back down to earth that you could zip zip line back on. You know what I, I mean? Guess. I don't know. But I like, what did you say again? Uh, no, no fire. No bursting, a non burst into flames emergency preparedness kit. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. But you, could you have a name for it? Like the Monte Cristo? You know what, Jen? I take it all back. What I'm going to bring with me on my hot air balloon trip is a Monte Cristo sandwich because probably it's going to be the last thing I'm going to eat. <laughs> and you love them. And I love them. Oh, yeah. Monte go. Cristo's Rubens, I feel like same category. Like just delicious. so good. Yeah. Just so many things. So Why many does flavors. bread have to be a bad thing, everybody? Can we just... it's, it's not, Jen. It's okay. not a bad thing. But yeah, I think, you know what? Let's just go with that. A Monte Cristo sandwich because it's the last meal you're going to have. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Okay. But everybody else who's on my side. Yeah. Yeah. Let me know if you've been on a hot air balloon and how was your experience? Tell us about it. Was it amazing? Were you scared? Did you have a crash landing? Did you pee your pants? <laughs> you obviously didn't burst into flames. Yeah. You're still here. Yeah. Did it feel safe? <laughs> Tell me more. All right. Pretty good. Thanks. All right. Thanks, Jen. That was great. You're Gonna Die Out There is produced by us, Jen and Megan, and edited by the talented and super nice guy, Jonathan Pillsbury. Thank you, Jonathan. Yay. Uh, all of this is possible because of an amazing group of nature nerd patrons. If you would like to be part of our super cool nerd community on Patreon, just go to our website at you're going to die out there.com or you can check our link tree on our Instagram page, which is kind of amazing. It is. I'm sorry. But it is. Uh, another way you can support is by leaving us a five star review on Apple podcast. Uh, if you do, Jen will send you a really kick ass sticker. You just have to send us your mailing address. I will do it if I forget. Hey, if you left us a review and I didn't send you a sticker, send us an email. Let me know. Just let me know. Uh, also, we would love to hear from you. We get a lot of our stories from listener suggestions. A lot. 
We kind of steal them all the time. Yeah, because um, they're so good. So if you would like to do that, go to our website. We have a contact page at you're going to die out there dot com or an email. You're going to die out there at gmail dot com. And at the beginning of the episode, we give you a shout out. <laughs> Thanks for listening. And until next time, don't die out there. Bye. Bye. Bye.